All right. I'm in a series of messages called I Identify As, and uh, a phrase that is used quite a bit nowadays, but what I want to do in this series is to take a look at the New Testament concept of you and I finding our identity in Christ, and that we would start to identify uh, as all the things that Christ has made available for us. The, the value of seeing yourself the way God sees you and, and, uh, and moving up in your terms of self-image uh, and who you are in Christ is, it's not just for your own benefit, which it's okay that it is for your benefit. Uh, that's what God wants to do is lift us all to higher places in life. But the truth is, it's also better for everybody that's around you. How many know if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy? How many know if daddy ain't happy, ain't nobody happy? And uh, so the truth is, the, the stronger you are and uh, the, the more vibrant and full of life that you are, it really is better for everybody around you. We talked last week a little bit about the 12 spies that were sent into the promised land, into uh, uh, Jericho, and tw 10 of them came back with this self-image of they saw themselves as grasshoppers in their own sight, thus they were grasshoppers in the enemy's sight. They don't even know this, but they're just saying that kind of thing. And the thing that I think is important to hold on to and understand about that idea is because their self-image was not what God wanted them to be, they kept a whole generation and a whole nation out of God's best. And so when you are at your best, that's when you are bringing your best to everybody else that's in your world. Everybody around you would love for you to be happy. It would make their life easier uh, and not be angry, not be depressed, not be moping around. Uh, it, you would make life better for a whole lot of people. Somebody say amen. Somebody turn, look at a neighbor, say, he's talking about you now. Okay. Today, I want to talk about this idea for a few moments. What's in a name? What's in a name? Revelation chapter 2, verse 17 says, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, to him I will give some of the hidden manna, I will give him a white stone and a new name. Everybody say a new name. A new name written on that stone, which no one knows but he who receives it. I love this verse of Scripture because God is giving us a set of resources that all of us need. One, he says, I'm going I'm to give those who are overcoming a hidden manna. Uh, a resource. You remember the Old Testament story how the manna would fall every day and met all of their needs as they traveled through the wilderness. But it's a resource for life. Hidden manna is resources that others are not aware of 
that you are using to fill yourself. Your highest life is going to first be found in a hidden place. It's, it's you going to your place of prayer. It's you going to your place of worship. It's what's going on on the inside of you. And when you go to those places and you find joy in your prayer closet, then you can carry joy out into the open. You find peace. You find love. You find strength in the hidden place. When you find it in the secret place, you can bring it out into the open. And let's face it, there's a lot of things going on uh, that out in the open right now that may not be giving you a lot of peace. You'll find your peace in a secret place with God, the hidden manna. And he says he's going to give us a white stone or like a fresh beginning. You know what? One thing I love about God is God doesn't hold grudges. I mean, you know, it's no fun to hang around with people who hold grudges. You just keep bringing up stuff from the past. But the Bible says that his mercies are new every morning. That means you can start new every day. It's great to have a fresh start in life. And then the next thing that this verse is telling us is that God gives us a new name a new identity, which no one else knows but he who receives it. In other words, it's not what other people say to you or about you. It's what you really think about you. It's what you really know about you. Your, your name is your identity. Your name matters a lot. You know, when, when people remember your name, it makes you feel valued. I remember several years, Suzette and I were going to a pastor's leadership setting, and there was a guy that I had seen every year there, six, seven years, even took him golfing on a private golf course that someone gave me the advantage to go play on. And I, you know, I mean, I'd, I'd, I'd interacted with this guy quite a bit, and I, we showed up one year, and he goes, what was your name again? And I, I, I'll be honest with you, I got ticked off. I, I, I said, you have got to be kidding me. I am not telling you my name again. Anybody know what I'm talking about? When somebody just forgets your name. When, when people make fun of your name, it goes, it goes through. And, and the truth is, the upside is, if somebody says to you, you tell them your name, and they go, you know, that's a great name. It just does something for you. When you are in Christ, you're given a new name, a new identity in him. Uh, it's not that you didn't have value before you were in Christ, but now that you're in Christ and he gives you that new identity and that new name, before you were incomplete, now you can walk fully in what God has planned for you. Your self-image, your identity, that's the picture that you hold on the inside of yourself. What picture of yourself are you living by now? 
Some of you might remember uh, in the days of newspapers, there used to be a column, uh, an advice column, Dear Abby. Anybody remember Dear Abby? Yeah? Anybody have no idea what Dear Abby is? Now just lift your hand. I just want to say, I figured it'd be a... Everybody in first service knew because they're the old folks. And... Uh, but Dear Abby, what I, what I always thought was amazing about Dear Abby is that Dear Abby kept using a 25-year-old picture of herself in her column. You have a picture of yourself that you carry around. God has a picture of you that he wants you to get a hold of. And he sees a different picture than others see. He sees a different picture than maybe you carry around yourself. And I know when I say that, uh, there are some people that goes, I, you know, I, if I think about the picture God carries of me, uh, I think he's looking at me with a scowl. I think he's looking at me like on the edge of disapproval. But I just want to tell you, nothing could be further from the truth. God sees you in the light of your prophetic potential. God sees you in the light of who you are in Christ. So really, what, what is your name? In school, uh, kids will make up names to kind of pick on each other. Fatty, fatty, two by four, which I think is a crazy name because a two by four is not very fat. Pinocchio, Dumbo, Chicken Legs, Failure. Unwanted. He tried, but he couldn't do it. Never quite good enough. I, I'm here to encourage you and me. Let's just tear up some of those old pictures and quit playing those reruns over and over and over again. Come on, let's, let's, let's write some new episodes with some new pictures, new stars, right? New chapters in the book. I, I love the fact that God is always up to something new. Whatever God has done in your life, or if he's never done anything in your life yet, I promise you he's got something new in store for you. Isaiah 43, uh, verse 18 and 19 says, don't call to mind the former things or consider things of the past. Behold, I'm going to do something new. Now it will spring up. Will you not be aware of it? I'm even going to make a roadway in your wilderness, a river in your desert. And you can find several places throughout the Bible where this idea is presented. God up to something new. I love the fact that the new next thing is in God's hands, not my hands. 
Because as we've all tried to navigate through this past year and a half and try to figure out what's, what's going to land, what's going to be different, uh, and why are people, nobody's got jobs anymore, everybody's living on unemployment, or all the people are quitting, quitting jobs all over the place, places are closed down because there's not enough people to work at them, uh, it's, the, it's what's going on in our world all around us. I think sometimes we go, what is the future all about? I just I want to remind you again, God's not sitting around going, oh my gosh, what's going on here? His, he is up to something new. And my job and your job is to recognize what is the new thing that God is wanting to do right now. He still can be God right in the middle of craziness in life. I'm not responsible for creating the new thing as much as I'm responsible to recognize what is God's new thing. But I want to talk about this idea of tearing up some old pictures because the picture you may carry around is a, a bit of, I feel like a failure. Can I just say to you that failure is not your name? Let me try that again. Failure is not your name. Forgiven is your name. Redeemed is your name. Overcomer is your name. More than a conqueror, that's your name. Reigning in life, that's your name. Failure is not who you are. Failure is something you may have done. And the, and the reality is, if you haven't failed at all, that probably means you haven't tried at all, right? F failing doesn't make you a failure. Quitting might make you a failure, but failure is a part of everybody's life. If at first you don't succeed, don't go skydiving. But failure is a part of every person's life. Learning from that failure, learning how to recover from it, learning how to get back up again and keep moving forward. That's who we are, right? We all know Thomas Edison, 10,000 attempts to create a light bulb. When he got to 5,000, 6,000, 7,000 attempts, people would say, dude, what's the matter with you? You're a failure. He said, that's not a failure. That's just an education, it said of Thomas Edison that one time his house caught on fire and the whole thing was burning down and he stood out in a field and he called for his friends and he said, look at this. Because he knew he could build another house. Walt Disney, world-renowned as a creative force, world-renowned as an entrepreneur, went bankrupt seven times. Abraham Lincoln, I love his story about how often he 
failed but didn't end up as a failure. His road to the White House was he failed in business at age 21, was defeated in a legislative race at age 22. Can I just say this message that I am preaching today is so important because there are so many people who are way too young thinking, I'm going to end everything because I feel like a total failure. You're just 22 years old. You're just 30 years old. Hey, I can say it now. You're just 50. You're, you're a pup. I could be your daddy. I'm joking, but I'm not joking. <laughs> about you feeling like you're a failure. He failed again in business at age 24, overcame the death of his sweetheart at age 26, had a nervous breakdown at age 27, lost a congressional race at age 34, lost a, another congressional race at age 36, lost a senatorial race at age 45, failed in an effort to become vice president at age 47, that same year, lost a senatorial race at age 47, at age 52, president of the United States, and, and considered one of the best presidents that we ever had. Failing doesn't make you a failure. Don't carry the failure identity. David, King David, should have been out at battle, was getting unemployment checks, so hung at the house. <laughs> Somebody's drawing the mischievous side of me out today, so just joking with don't get upset. David, he he's, should have been out at battle. He's up on the rooftop, sees beautiful Bathsheba taking a bath, just gets enamored with her, calls for her to come in. He's the king, sleeps with her. She gets pregnant. Oh, no. He tries to pull in her husband, Uriah the Hittite, hoping that he would sleep with his wife so it would look like she got pregnant by Uriah. He was a man of valor, said, I, I got my buds out on the battle lines. There's no way I'm going to crawl in bed with my wife right now. He slept at the doorpost. David got so upset, he had Uriah sent to the front of the battle. Everybody pulled back so that Uriah could be killed. This guy is evil. And yet, the big story, the long story of David's life was he's called a man after God's own heart. He failed, but he wasn't a failure. Moses gets this incredible burning bush uh, uh, opportunity from God. God is calling him to help, so, you know, free Israel from the Egyptians. He steps in a little too soon, kills an Egyptian guy, runs away, afraid, runs away, feeling like a failure, spends 40 years in the desert just saying, I'm done, I blew it, I'm a failure. God shows up, burning bush. Come on, man, you got to get back on track one of the greatest leaders that ever lived. A Abraham was given a promise that he was going to be the father of, of, a, of a nation. He, the, after several years, it doesn't happen. It's not taking place, not happening fast enough. His wife suggests, why don't you go sleep with my handmaiden? 
Abraham goes, if you want me to, goes and sleeps with the handmaiden. They give birth to Ishmael, an effort of their own strength and flesh to try to bring the promise of God to pass. But we still look at Abraham as the father of faith. Here is Peter who walked side by side in person with Jesus, but then three times in a day, once to uh, just a little girl saying, Aren't you, didn't you used to walk with those guys? Weren't, weren't you a part of that tribe? He denies Jesus, but yet he rises up to be one of the greatest men that ever lived. Paul, he spent many years killing Christians, but yet the story we have of Paul is he wrote the bulk of the New Testament now. I'm just saying to you today, could you let the past go? Could you tear up some old pictures? Could you start to see yourself the way God sees you? That failure is not your final picture. Isaiah chapter 62 says, verse 2, you'll be called by a new name which the mouth of the Lord will designate. I love that idea. You will also be a crown of beauty in the hand of the Lord and a royal diadem in the hand of your God. I love the idea that my new name, your new name, it's not what so-and-so says. It's what the mouth of the Lord will designate. And throughout the Bible, you find people who were given a new name to signify their new identity in God. You plus God equals a new creation, like a new species of being. Not just somebody who happens to go to church every once in a while, but somebody who is a brand new creation. Jacob was born as a manipulator. His name meant deceiver, and yet God uh, intersects in his life and his name gets changed from Jacob the deceiver to Israel who is a prince. His, here's a guy who got ahead in life by manipulating and deceiving and pushing and pulling and trying to make things happen for himself. But after an encounter with God, God gives him a new identity. Abram is childless for many years. But God moves in and says, no, your name isn't Abram, childless. Your name is Abraham, father of nations. Sarai, who was childless for many years, Abram's wife, is now Sarah, the mother of the child of promise, the mother of Isaac. Simon, whose name meant reed, blown around by the wind and the circumstances of life, Jesus said, you used to be called Simon, but now your name is Peter, the rock. Saul was the accuser, the persecutor of the church. But then after an encounter with the living God, knocked off his donkey, three days walking around blind to the outside things, but having a visitation in heaven, all of a sudden Saul becomes Paul. Now he's, not, he's no longer the accuser, the persecutor. Now he's the apostle. Now he's the messenger of good news. Now he's the builder of the church. Come on, God steps into people's lives and gives them new names, new identities. Paul has a young protege named Timothy 
who is just a timid, intimidated, fearful little guy. He says, God hasn't given you a spirit of fear, Timothy. He's given you a spirit of power and love and a sound mind. Who you were in yourself might be timid, might be easily intimidated, but now there's a greater force at work within you. It's the power of love. It's the power of the sound mind. It's a powerful kind of life. Here's Gideon. He's this cynical, doubtful, fearful, cringy little guy. The Lord shows up and says, come on, this, your life is more than that. The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Here's David out in the field playing his whatever he played. A musician. A temperamental Musician. I love our musicians. I do. They're, they're awesome. But they can be unique. They have to be carefully handled. He, he, he moves after... Uh, the prophet lay, pours oil on him. It took a few years, didn't happen right away, but here is this musician playing his instrument out in the field, carefree. Now all of a sudden God says, you're the king of the nation. What I want to encourage us in is to recognize your name used to be sinner, now you're the righteousness of God in Christ. Your name used to be sick. Now your name is healed and whole. Your name used to be aimless, but now you're called with a purpose. Your name used to be small and withdrawn. Now your name is big and generous. Your name used to be depressed. Now your name is joy. Come on, your name used to be angry guy. Now your name is peaceful spirit. Your name used to be failure. Now it's overcomer. Your name used to be poverty. Now your name is prosperity. I said your name is prosperity. And I know some people, my wife always tells me, watch out using that word, but it is a Bible word. Your name used to be hard luck. Nothing ever goes your way, but now your name is favor. God opens doors for you in Christ. You in Christ is a brand new creation. You're a new species of being. There was an, a, a situation in the Old Testament. Jacob, Israel, is traveling with his wife, Rachel. She's pregnant. She's about ready to give birth. Genesis 35, verse 16 says, They journeyed from Bethel when there was still some distance to go to Ephrath. Rachel began to give birth, and she suffered severe labor. When she was in severe labor, the midwife said to her, don't fear, for now you have another son. 
But it came about as her soul was departing, for she died, that she named her son Benoni, but his father renamed him Benjamin. Benoni means son of my sorrow. Benjamin means son of my right hand. Some of us have been named on the basis of someone else's pain. Some of us have had labels put on us that aren't true of us, but they're actually a projection of somebody else's issue. Your dad, your mom, they put a name on you. Your teachers, your bosses, maybe even an ex-spouse, out of their pain, they put a name on you that really has nothing to do with who you are, but has a whole lot to do with being a projection of who they are. And the truth is, maybe you've just put a name on yourself that is not helping you step in to everything that God has planned for your life. I just, I'm here to announce to us that it's time we let God tell us who we are. Not my circumstances, because circumstances come and go. Winter comes and goes. Summer comes and goes. Situations come and go. That can't be your identity. You can't, you can't just keep letting your past tell you who you are. You can't just keep letting people who are totally unqualified to prophetically name you keep putting labels on you. Today, I want to encourage you to accept, to embrace that name change and that you start to live your life out of the new name that God gives you, which the mouth of the Lord will designate. Amen. I want to pray with you guys today. Would you bow your heads, please, and close your eyes? Father, we come before you today. We've all carried pictures. We've all heard names. We've all had circumstances that have tried to shape us into something that you never intended. And I'm praying, I'm praying for the light bulbs to come on. <laughs> I'm praying for a revelation to happen in the heart, in the soul of every person in this room, every person watching online, every person that's part of this house. Father, that we will really see ourselves and name ourselves the way you name us. With your head bowed, your eyes closed, I've got to take a minute Maybe you're here today, you've never really surrendered your life to Jesus. I would love to pray with you. Come on, let's start that incredible journey. Maybe you're here and you could look back to a day when you know 
in reality, you used to be closer to the Lord than you are today. Things have slipped for you. Maybe it was a choice. Maybe it's just life has stepped in. Maybe something happened to hurt you. But you know you're not where you want to be, where you could be, where you should be in your relationship with God. Today would be a great day to come home. Or maybe you just don't have a sense of confidence about your life being in the hands of God. If any of that speaks to you and you say, Pastor, I, would you pray with me? I, I want Jesus in my life. I want my life in Jesus' hands. Would you pray with me? If that's you, I want you to lift your hand and just say, yes, I want to surrender to Jesus. Yes, I want to come back to him. God bless you. Come on, anybody else, just lift your hand. Nobody's looking around. We're just going to take a moment to pray. Anybody else just want to say yes to Jesus, surrender to Jesus. God bless you. Amen. Thank you. Hey, let's pray this prayer together. Everybody say this with me. Say, Lord Jesus, I open my life to your love, to your Lordship. I need you. I want you in my world as my Lord. I embrace my new name, my new identity in you. Thank you for the cross where you paid the price for my forgiveness. Help me become the person you created me to be. Amen. Come on, let's thank the Lord.